to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. First Corinthians chapter 14. I am going to read the chapter in its entirety. To bring this in context, you remember we've talked about love over the last few weeks. Love is the foundation and the uh, platform by which we do all things as Christians or should be launching from in every aspect of ministry life, our in own individual personal lives, uh, our family lives, uh, our work lives. Everything should be done and launched from the platform of love. And as we understand uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and they have done some things well, but they've done a lot of things that aren't so well. And he's he's writing these letters to the Corinthians to correct some some problems in the church. And one of the problems in the church is an is a an, an overemphasis on certain gifts of the spirit. And so Paul is addressing that in chapters 12, 13 and 14. And uh, we will be looking at chapter 14 today. Paul had talked about how everything must be done through love. And so everything that we do, all the gifts that we exercise within the church, individually, uh, uh, in the church, we should be doing it out of the aspect of love. And he begins chapter 14 this way. He says, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue, tongue word, words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the result then? I'll pray in the spirit and I will also pray with the spirit. Or pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, 
How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he doesn't understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not, is not edified. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than any of you. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and of other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, or unbelievers, will they not say that you're all out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all. He's judged by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so... Falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren? Whether you come together, each of you has a psalm, each has a teaching, each has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three. Each in turn and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy by one that all may learn that, and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it's shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it only, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. And don't forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Father, here we have before us a passage intended by Paul, I'm sure, to clarify and to clear up. And yet there is so much confusion even to this day. Especially when it comes to tongues, or interpretation of tongues. Their purpose, their use, whether it be prophesying, or Lord, this last section talking about women in church. There's many confusions here. And I pray, Lord, that today, though we will not be getting into the women today, that'll be next week. Uh, let us, Lord, help, help us to understand your passage this day. About how and if the gift of tongues, if and how the gift of prophecy is to be exercised within the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us to make sense of your, of your word. Because, Lord, we're here to be a church in this modern day. And if there is something that we can 
gather from your passage. If there's something that we lack, we pray, Lord, that you would, just by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would impress upon and, and place upon the hearts and minds of every hearer of this message, whether in this room, whether somewhere else, Lord, that we would all seek to have all that you have to offer us in order to accomplish all that you have for us to accomplish in this day, in this age. Amongst the family, friends, and co-workers, and acquaintances that we all have. Among our sphere of influence, Lord, may it be. Speak to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Paul says, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. On the other hand, he who speaks edification and exhortation and comfort, or he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue, he edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Paul then says, I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is even greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he also interprets that the church may receive edification. What are we talking about here? Are the tongues that Paul is talking about here, are they relevant? Are they necessary? Are they applicable today? Well, over the last couple of weeks, I've said, yes, I believe they are. I believe that tongues are still an active gift in the church today. And I know that some may not like that, but because anything that we can't completely and totally understand can sometimes cause fear in us. And we just go, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that. And so therefore, I'm going to just remove myself from from that place that says that the gift of tongues is still in operation today because I don't understand it and because I don't understand it, then it must not be. Hence, therein lies the platform that many expositors of the word that I actually highly, you know, uh, uh, respect in so many aspects. They, they don't understand the gift of tongues. They, they, they think, well... The gift of tongues is something that was something for a certain time, but no longer is it for today. There are others, on the other hand, that will say, well, the gift of tongues are for today, and man, I'm just going to use them anytime and anywhere I need to use them. And, and so therefore, you know, you might turn on the TV sometime and you'll see a pastor get up and start speaking in tongues, or, or you'll see a, a preacher up there speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. But then nobody interprets. You just hear some babble that comes out of his mouth and you go, well, I don't understand. What did he just say? That kind of freaked me out. And I know for me that, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, a pretty conservative Baptist church. And then I went to Calvary Chapel and it was a little different. And the thing is, is that my Baptist church said, no, gifts of tongues are not for today. And so when I experienced a church in an afterglow service, which is basically a service after 
after a, you know, uh, uh, and typically it was on a Sunday night after a concert, you know, and after an evangelistic meeting and, and people would leave, they would allow the church, hey, stick around, man. We're going to have an afterglow service if you want to, you know, where the gifts of the Spirit can be in operation here. And, and we're just going to wait on the Lord in here. And, and I remember the very first time that I did that at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Greg Glory's Church over in Riverside, California. I remember I went in and I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. And someone spoke in tongues. It freaked me out. I'm going, whoa, that's scary. Because I don't know what he said. And then someone got up and they spoke. And they, they praised the Lord. Something of praising the Lord. And, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And now, mind you, I would think, well, I don't understand why we would need the gift of tongues. I've gone the whole gamut on this whole thing. What in the world is the purpose of an unknown tongue? What is the purpose of having someone speak a language that they don't know in order to speak to the Lord? And, 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 and if they... And oftentimes, someone will speak for like a minute and then someone will interpret and it's like eight words. And you go, that can't be what you just said because that guy over there just spent a minute speaking in this garbled language that I don't even know. And then this guy over here, he spent, you know, uh, you know 15 seconds not even that, saying what that guy just said. Oh, hey, by the way, this is the interpretation. And he, he says something very quickly. And you go, wow. You'd think that that kind of a known tongue, unknown tongue, you'd think it's kind of advanced or something, and you'd think that that it would be even more succinct and 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 not have to be so wordy in the unknown language. And so there are abuses and there are those that, that will speak in an unknown tongue and, and, and they'll speak in a tongue and somebody will get up an interpretation and they'll, they'll have a, an interpretation that's not according to what Scripture says. Uh, what we see here in Scripture is that a tongue is, is not to, to, you know, prophecies edify, edify and bring exhortation and comfort to men. Whereas he who speaks in a tongue, verse 4, edifies himself. He doesn't speak. In verse 2 it says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. There are those that say that tongues are not for today, and they, they say that Paul is actually being sarcastic here. That Paul is is saying that that men are speaking to a God and not the God. I mean, some guys that, that I, I, it would probably shock you if I told you who it was. That this isn't really speaking about a gift. This is speaking about an abuse, and that's what Paul is dealing with. But it doesn't make any sense. He's saying to all these people, Paul is pointing out that these guys are doing it all wrong and that tongues are not even appropriate and that they're babbling and they're talking to false gods and basically the mysteries and the spirit, it's the demons and things like that. And you're going, 
I don't know. Paul says, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. He says there in verse 5, doesn't he? Why would Paul sarcastically ask the church and say to the church, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but, but more so that you prophesied if tongues were not appropriate. Paul says, Paul is not being sarcastic here. He's not dismissing the use or the gift of tongues. What he's doing is he's dismissing the abuse of the gift of tongues. Because here's the thing. Something that is so different, something that's so different, someone speaks a language, another person interprets, and you go, wow, that was pretty intense. That was an intense time right there. It becomes a, a gift that draws attention to an individual. And oftentimes... We being humans, and the human nature that we, we have, we may not like to say it, but we like attention. We like attention onto ourselves. We like to go, well, you know what, uh, I do have the gift of tongues. By saying such a thing, Others might look at you and say, well, then you must be very spiritual. One day, I don't have the gift of tongues, say. You might say, I don't have the gift of tongues, but he does or she does. So they must be much more spiritual than me. There's not one gift of the Spirit that is ever intended to draw attention onto one person or another. It's always intended to draw attention unto the Lord. And for God's glory. It's to edify the church. It's to, to not, not the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is not, we, we see, it's not there for the church to be edified. It's for the Lord. It's to edify a person, an individual, but not the whole body. It's there to, to bring glory unto the Lord. Someone who speaks in a, tank, in a tongue. We saw that back in verse 1 of chapter 13. Paul says, there, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I were to you know, come on over here and, and pick up this guitar, and I were to, I were to, to, to play just for a second... I'm, I'm going to just play. Just. Isn't that great? Are you edified? That's what Paul's saying. When you speak in a tongue, and there's no one there to interpret. And you do it out of love, not out of love, but you do it to draw attention to yourself. You become nothing more than, than making no distinct noises on a guitar or on a trumpet or on a flute or on a cymbal. The idea is, is that if you do speak in tongues, let there be an interpretation and then you have a... And then you have 
something that makes some sort of distinction. And, and as you have something that has distinction, we can begin to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. See, we can sing when things are decent and in order. But let's sing Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how... I can't do it. That saved a wretch like... It doesn't make sense. Paul's saying, here's the thing, guys. He says, in this, look in this chapter, what he says. If I come to you speaking tongues, verse 6, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, prophesying, or by teaching, even things without life, whether a flute or harp or a guitar, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? When I'm playing those chords off key, I wasn't even playing chords. I was just playing. I could say, oh, I was playing in the spirit. And, and how many of you would have gone, oh, that was awesome, man. How spiritual you are playing out of tune, but you were singing uh, Amazing Grace. I didn't get it. You must be much more spiritual than I am. You see, that's, that's, not, that's not working decently and in order, what it is, is it's drawing attention onto a person. And it's, it's, it's causing people to go, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. Are you out of your mind? That's what Paul said. If the whole church comes together, verse 23, in one place, and, and then they all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're all out of your mind? Can you imagine if you invited a friend in here to this church and I started playing those types of sounds on a guitar and we all began to sing? What would your friend do? They're going to sit there and go, okay, this is weird. That doesn't make sense. You see, that's not the Lord. That's never the Lord. I I remember I I had a, a, a class out in California um, and there's one of the old Jesus people, you know, musicians um, from back in that back in the day. I think he was uh, uh, one of the two uh, members of the the band. I think it was Parable. I, I I don't remember. His name was Chuck Butler. Chuck Butler, and he taught this class. He was a great musician, and and uh, one of the things that I loved about his class. Um, I won't say that I got a lot out of his teaching. But one of the things that I... And I hope that he doesn't listen to this message. Um, I didn't get a lot out of his teaching. He wasn't necessarily the most gifted teacher. But you know what? He was one of the most gifted worship leaders I've ever been around. And that was one of the reasons why I loved to go to that class. Is because he'd always spend the first half an hour of our hour and a half long class. Maybe even up to an hour in just worship. And I remember there was one time he played a song. And the song he, he, he played. And he didn't have words, not like this. We just kind of would sing as we would know the song. There was one song that we started singing. 
we started playing. I'm going, this is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. This is one of the most beautiful songs. This is just a time of worship, and the song went on for like eight minutes, nine minutes, as a worship leader, a true worship leader can do. He got done with the song, and, and, and I'm thinking, man, that, that song was so familiar. Where have I heard that song before? Where, how do I know that song? And, and Chuck said, that was pretty amazing to me. The Lord just gave me that song. I'm going, what? What? It had like eight verses, you know? And, and he kept coming back to the same type of a chorus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Did someone get that on audio? Because it was one of the most awesome songs I'd ever, I'd ever experienced. I'm just going, man, here's a guy just in the spirit, just playing a song. And you know what? There's guys that can do that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not that guy. I pray for it, and I sound like that sometimes. But here's the thing. In order, in decency and order, you know what that did? That impacted this young man's heart to a point that some 25 years later, I'm still speaking about how God worked in that day. It impressed upon my heart that God's saying, I can work in so many different ways. But when I work in someone's life, it's done decently and in order. And so it impressed upon my heart. I don't know how many other people's hearts it impressed, but it impressed upon my heart that I'm continuing to even speak about it to this day. Here's the thing. Paul's going, tongues are appropriate. For what? Well, as I said last week, there's a couple of different ways. As Paul talked about in verse 1 of chapter 13, though I spung, te, spe, though I spe, like I can't talk right now, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. There's two different kinds of tongues that I believe Paul is talking about. There's a, a dialect, the word tongue literally means dialect. It means a, a language, a language. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, now, as I said last week, I have never seen a dictionary of angelic words before in my life. Now, I've seen dictionaries of, of English. I've seen dictionaries of Greek. I've seen dictionaries of Spanish. Those are three, you know, kind of classes that I've taken. Didn't do real well in English. But, but here's the thing. I've never come across an angelic dictionary. And, and so here's the thing. There is a dialect of, of, of angels. Paul says, here's the thing. I speak. In verse 18, he says, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Is Paul bragging that he can speak in an unknown language? Is he bragging that he can do that? I don't believe so. I think he's making a point. Which again, it's another one of those death blows to these, to these guys that say tongues are not appropriate. They're just not there. These are, he's, he's making light of tongues. And, and I don't see that Paul's actually making light of himself here. He's saying, hey, 
I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding than I, that I may teach you guys rather than, you know, other than 10,000 words in a tongue. How many of you in here know Spanish? Anybody know Spanish? Right now, if I had Yeneth get up here and finish this message in Spanish, how fruitful would it be for you? Just in Spanish. We would encourage her. We would go, go do it, Yeneth. That's, that's great. How much benefit would it come, would come to you and I by her speaking in a language that we don't understand? Now, if on the other hand, I began to speak in Spanish, maybe I'm out witnessing on the road. Maybe I'm out talking, you know, to people and the Lord gives me a language and I'm just like, you know, I, and I start speaking and I trust the Lord to speak through me. And I begin to speak in Spanish. And Yeneth is in the hearing. Say Yeneth, or one of Yeneth's friends that isn't saved, hears me talking about the wonderful things of the Lord. She might go, well, that's kind of interesting. You don't look like you would know Spanish. They might, they might look at me, at, her friend might look at me and say, why, why were you speaking in English and then all of a sudden you broke into to Spanish? And, and I might say, was that what that was? I know that I was speaking English, but I was just praying and, and, and it was for you. What did I say? What was it that I said? Oh, well, and then she begins to tell you what the interpretation of, of, of what you said. You were talking about the wonderful works of God. You were talking about God and how glorious he is. You were talking about these, these things about God that, that how high and lifted up he is. You were praising God. You're telling me you don't know, you don't know Spanish? I don't know Spanish. You see, that's exactly what happened on the, on the, the day that the, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room. 120 of them. They went outside and they began to speak in languages. And, they, and, and the disciples, look at what it says there in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, excuse me. It says this. Let me get there. Um, where am I here? Here I am. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, beginning there, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came, upon, they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. What are they saying? The wonderful works of God. It's never an exhortation to a person. It's never, you know, speaking in tongues. Well, he said that there's somebody in here that needs to give a thousand dollars to the church. That's what he said in tongues. No, that's not what he said in tongues. That's an abuse. Because when someone speaks in a tongue, they speak to the Lord, the wonderful works of God. They don't, tell people what to do, what they do is they glorify God in tongues. And what, if it's a known language upon the face of the earth, it's there to speak to the people. It's there to speak to the ones who are there, the unbelievers that are there in that area. These were unbelievers. And they're hearing these wonderful works of God. Here's what Peter says. Well, verse, verse 12, it says, So they were all amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking, they said, These guys are full of new wine. Because that's what happens when you get drunk. You start speaking in fluent Russian. Or, or, or fluent you know, Spanish. When you get really, really drunk, you speak in another language very clearly. That doesn't make sense. They were mocking him. Peter, he stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that God says, God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Then he goes on and he preaches the gospel. What was the purpose of tongues in this in this place? It was to draw attention to this place where Paul had, or Peter had an opportunity to present the gospel. It was an opportunity for people to get saved. And it says three thousand people got saved that day. Here's the thing. 
There was a great purpose of tongues in that time. But there's another tongue that Paul talks about in, in, in chapter 13, right? It's the tongue of angels. It's a, it's, a, it's a language that speaks glorious things of the Lord. Is it necessary? Obviously so. Do I understand it? Absolutely not all the way. But because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Speaking in tongues or hearing someone interpret or any other aspect, every other gift of the Spirit that we see, what it takes is a measure of faith for me to believe it. It's just what God has called us to do. Do you believe? Do you have faith? Not everybody speaks in tongues. But it is the one gift that says that it edifies the person, the individual. There are many people that speak in tongues that have never spoken in tongues in front of anybody. And I will say that that is the case with myself. I don't pray in tongues before you guys, but I'll pray in tongues at times in my own personal time when I'm in my truck, when I'm in, in any time of personal prayer. And man, I'm just having an awesome time with the Lord. Because there comes a time where the English language fails to truly describe. Have you ever gotten to that point where you, you I'm not saying that you're not spiritual if you haven't. But I will say this, have you ever gotten to a point where when you're looking at God and the glorious work that God has done and you look at the Lord and you, be, you just love Him so much because you see who you used to be and who you are today and what He has done in your life and what He has stored up for you in eternity that you go, thank you! That doesn't mean, that doesn't make it. That just doesn't explain. That doesn't, that doesn't grasp the entirety of what it is that I'm wanting to say. You're awesome. That word doesn't hit it. That word doesn't even, and it's a good word. But I say awesome when I see a good football guy run, make a great touchdown. Am I saying that you are likened unto that? No. My word of awesome, it, it pales in comparison to what it is that you are. When words have reached their apex in your own known language, then I believe in my own life, that's where tongues comes in. I may not understand what I'm saying, but my spirit does. Now, the hard part for me was to get beyond this understanding going, I'm saying something that I don't understand, but in my spirit, I'm willing to be a fool very first time I ever spoke in tongues, I just say, oh, I feel silly. I feel really silly. And I was just by myself. And I just prayed, Lord, if this is a gift that you want to give to me, if it's a real gift, give it to me. I don't understand totally. But if this is a real gift, Lord, give it to me. 
And help me to open my mouth and just speak of your glorious ways and who you are. And more so, what you mean to me. Thanks, awesome. My gratitude. You're merciful. You're wonderful. Those words are the extent of my English language. But you know, Lord, there's something deeper that my heart feels towards you. And so, Lord, if these words that come out of my mouth mean something more, I pray them to you. And I felt kind of silly talking the very first time in tongues. And I thought, I don't know, that just might not have been, that kind of, that's kind of weird. It's kind of tough. Because I didn't know what I was saying. And I came back into the Lord again the next day. And I'm the Lord, here we go. I'm, I'm willing. Paul says he was a fool for Christ. He was a fool for you. Lord, can I be a fool for you? I don't understand what I'm saying. And so, Lord, here's the thing. You mix whatever it is that I'm saying that I don't understand. Know by which heart it's coming from. And here it is. What I'm intending to say to you are words that mean, that express my true, total depth of my gratitude to who you are and what you've done for me. And though I don't, I don't have to know what those words mean, but man, my spirit, I pray God you hear my spirit. Now if these words aren't right, don't zap me. You know, the Lord's not going to do that. The Lord's not going to do that. The hard part for me was getting over this understanding that, hey, I might not understand what I'm saying, but am I willing to say, I don't have to understand what I'm saying in this precious time that I'm spending between you and me, Lord. No one else. I don't have to do it in front of anybody else. I'm doing it between you and I, Lord. It's my expression of love to you. You hear these guys that sing beautiful love songs. They're very good lyrically. Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie. A few years ago, they got together. Uh, Lionel Richie had this thing where, I don't know, some of you guys don't even know who I'm talking about, you young kids, but you know, he was a guy that did a lot of love songs. It wrote a lot of love songs. Kenny Rogers sang a lot of love songs. And just a few years ago, they were doing a, a, a work on Lionel Richie's life where he brought back a lot of different people and modern singers and they would sing songs together and duets and sound pretty good. But here's the thing. They, when Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie were, were together, um, speaking of writing love songs... Uh, they would they they would say you know both of their wives would oftentimes be asked isn't it wonderful to be married to your husband does he play and sing for you each day like that and the wife says nope not my husband the two singers and writers would also be asked how often do you sing and play these songs to your wife their answers were uh not often Wow. So you're good lyrically writing, but you don't ever sing those songs heartfelt to your wife. Now, here's the thing. They have the ability to write a known language, 
to someone that they, that they love, an unknown language to the Lord. I'm going, here's the thing. Do you, do you, do you, do you, I'm asking myself, Don, do you sing the words to the Lord? Do you say the words to the Lord? Do you speak the words to the Lord that truly reflect your heart and your love and your gratitude and, and, and the depth of, of words that you don't even know that reflect how much you love God? Can you do it? Can you, can you allow your brain to be released from this place I, that I have to know everything? to a place where I'm going, you know what? It's the most uh, vulnerable place that you can possibly ever put yourself. And that's where I came to. Lord, I am placing myself vulnerable before you. And I'm going to speak. And Lord, I feel silly because I don't know what I'm saying. But Lord, if you can make any sense out of what it is that I'm saying, my spirit and my words, they mean to you what they mean. Lord, I can't express words. My words fail me to share with you who you are to me. And so Lord, if, you, if this doesn't make any sense, that's okay. You can see my heart. What were the... For me, it was, a, it was an expression of faith. It was an expression of faith. I'm, is that for you? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing, pray. Paul, Paul says, listen, if you do get the gift of tongues, if you ask for it and you do receive it, he said, don't, don't draw attention unto yourself. That doesn't mean not to ever use it, especially even in a church setting. Don't, don't not use it, but don't draw attention to yourself. That's the problem that, that the Corinthian church was having. Paul was not saying that there was no such thing as gifts, that the gift of tongues. He says, no, the gift of tongues was for a purpose, but the gift of prophecy is even a better gift. Because what I've spoken to you today is the telling forth. That's what prophecy literally means. To foretell things to come, yes. But to declare truths from the, through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, whether it be through prediction or not. But the point is, is the, 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 the word prophecy doesn't necessarily mean simply to tell of future things, but it is to speak of God's ways, God's will, God's word, to tell forth God's message, to be a proclaimer, one who speaks out the counsel of God with, the, with clearness and energy and authority which spring from the consciousness of speaking in God's name and having received a direct message from Him to deliver. Thus one may prophesy without being a prophet in the strictest sense of the word. Prophesying is simply what is happening here from a pastor to his friends is speaking forth or proclaiming publicly what God's word says. And Paul says, I would rather you prophesy than to get up and speak in an unknown tongue. Now, how fruitful would it be if I were up here speaking in what I, what I may be a fool, but I'm just a fool before the Lord. 
in what I believe is an angelic tongue that I'm speaking before the Lord, telling him about how wonderful and great he is. If I sat here for the last half an hour and spoke to you in that language, how fruitful would it have been for any of us here? Paul says, I would rather speak five words that you'd understand than 10,000 words in, 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 in a language you didn't understand. Didn't say tongues were not available. But what he's saying is don't get so caught up in a gift that you begin to strive after the gift so that you can be seen as something extra special spiritual. Because it's all supposed to be for the pursuit of love and ultimately that people would be saved. That's what it all comes down to, gang. Tongues, opportunity for you to get by yourself before the Lord and just worship the Lord. I encourage you, listen, pray. Seek the Lord's face on that. It may be for you, it may not be for you. That's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less. Please don't think that this makes anybody a less of a Christian. There are many guys that are awesome teachers of the word that don't believe in the gift of tongues that have passed on. They believe them now. But it doesn't mean that they lived a, a life that was lacking. I think they lived a life that was pleasing to the Lord. You don't have to have the gift of tongues in order to be saved. But it doesn't mean that you're filled with a demon either. I just want all that God has for me. Don't you? Don't we all? Don't we all just want everything that God has for us? Therein lies what Paul's trying to say. Gift of tongues, they're operable today. Well, we'll talk a little bit, little bit more about this, but um, Paul's saying, listen, the gift of tongues, it's a true gift. And it's a gift from the Lord. But, that's, that's not necessarily what it's all about. It's not all about you having that one gift. He says in verse 39, Brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Don't forbid to, forbid to speak with tongues. But let all things be done decently and in order. Those who say that tongues are not for today, you, you have a problem with Paul and his explanation in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Don't forbid anybody to do it. And if you speak with tongues, praise the Lord. That's good. Great. Again, it doesn't make you more spiritual than anybody else. It's never to be drawn, drawing attention to self. It's always to be pointing unto the Lord. Amen? I pray, God, that I have not confused matters anymore in this room. Lord, and I know that I've probably stretched some people here today too. There might be some in here that go, what? I guess I didn't know that Pastor Don believed in tongues, nor did he speak in tongues. I pray, Lord, that my life before the people in this room, as it's laid out before them, as they look at my life, that they would see a man that loves Jesus, loves you, 
loves all and desires all that you have for me and, and, and desires to speak truth with love and compassion and mercy. And though this is maybe one of those speed bumps that they have hit, that they would look at my character and they would look at my, my past and they would see the things that I've taught them over the years. They would see that I'm not one that draw, tries to draw attention unto myself. But I pray that today my character, my, my person, the person that I have become to, to be known amongst every person in this room or who, who knows me by this hearing, they would look at my life and, and they would be challenged if they came in or they began this message today not believing that there is such a thing as a gift of tongues. That they would now take a, a new approach and, and look at it and see, hey, maybe there is. I, I pray that they've heard in me that not everybody is going to experience the gift of tongues. that the gift of tongues or any gift will make anyone more spiritual than any other person because that's not the case, Lord. We are who we are because of you. Every one of us, we bring before our filthy rags before you. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that nobody has heard me boast today because that's not what was intended here. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody in this room that desires the gift of tongues, Lord, that they, God, you'd give it to them. Let them have that precious time between you and they quietly in their own room. Whether they experience it the way that I had experienced it, I don't know. But Lord, I know that you were able to speak through me, speak to me, and give me a comfort that I didn't think was possible. And that gift has never overtaken me in a grocery line (laughs) or when I'm with anyone else where all of a sudden it overcomes me and I have to speak in an unknown language. I've been able to control it always. You've never... Let me misfire in front of anyone. Because, Lord, you're safe. You're not there to abuse. You're there to, to minister and love as a good father. So, Lord, I pray that if anybody desires that gift, Lord, that they would honestly come before you and and seek your face. And that, Lord, you would grant unto them every gift, whether it be tongues or whether it not be tongues. It doesn't matter. Whatever gifts it is, that they come before you and seek. God, I pray that you speak to them. You grant them the gifts that they need and that are necessary for them, for us, to fulfill the life that you've 
planned out for us. Help us not to draw attention to ourselves, but God, help us to draw attention to you. Help us to spread the gospel because we have been indwelt, empowered, emboldened by your Holy Spirit. May we, Lord, be used by you in every single possible capacity that is offered to us this day by your Holy Spirit. Even though we may not understand them all, may we be used for your glory and to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.